Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a great day. I think it's going to be even better now after you hear from my guest. Robin Whitford is a true artist and rug hooking teacher who is building a community of creators through her business, Hooking Outside the Lines, which is definitely going on my list of fave business names. Thanks for joining me on Small But Mighty Biz Stories, Robin. Tell everyone about you and your business. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. Um, I am happy to talk about my business because it is truly just a passion that I am lucky enough um, to have been able to turn Mm. into a business. Um, And basically it is um, me teaching. um, Most of the the sort of work I do is teaching people how to rug hook. um, And many of my uh, students and community members know how, um, but it's to learn how to do it in an even more creative way um, have more fun with it and not, um, allow it to add to stress to our lives in any way. So it's really, we explore a lot. We play a lot. I use the word play all the time in my classes. Um, and yeah, I just absolutely love everything about rug hooking. So I love sharing it with people. Um, yeah, so community. I was I was actually going through your Instagram timeline and there are some beautiful creations there. Um tell me about what uh, tell me about rug hooking cuz I've I've done those little kits that you can buy when I was a kid. But I don't think that's quite the same thing. And it certainly isn't as intricate <laughs> and and artistic. Yes. Well, a lot of people, when they sort of hear the word rug hooking now, they have those memories of um, which it's not actually rug hooking in the same way, but it is making rugs. Yes. Um, and it was called latch hooking. And they still <laughs> sell those kits. <laughs> I, did, I did buy my daughter one and hoped she would get into it but she did not um and it is very similar um I think latch hooking kind of gets a a bad rap a little bit in the sort of more traditional rug hooking community because they are um, quite commercialized kits and using acrylic yarn and that kind of thing um but the idea is the same you're making a textile um art form whether it's to go on the rug on the wall on a pillow Um, It has the same idea. So my technique that I prefer, again, just personal preference, is uh, using a traditional rug hook. So it almost looks like a crochet hook, the tip of it. Um, Yeah. There's no latch on it like you would in those kits that we used to use. Um, Now, that's not to say you can't use those latch ones and do the same kind of work that I do. Um, There is a very uh, well-known rug hooker um, in the States who's Canadian, but she lives in the States at the moment. And she actually uses a latch hook from those kits to do her absolutely stunning artwork um, in the same technique as I do, which um, so the difference mainly is that in the latch hook um, kits, you would be getting sort of almost two or three inch pieces of yarn and making a bit of a knot with your loop uh, through your backing fabric. Um, I'm using one continuous strip. Um, or lots of different colors. Um, and I'm just pulling, literally pulling loops through the backing. Like it's just, it's just a loop. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. It is very simple. People often, when I'm teaching them how, um, I kind of joke, it's so simple that it feels like, how can this even be real? Because 
um, there's one stitch. There is no, you know, I can't give you a booklet of different stitches because there is really one stitch and all of the different variety comes from the type of material you're using, the height of it, the change in color. Um, but it's all the same stitch. So interesting. <laughs> and yet it doesn't look like the same stitch. Oh my gosh. No. That's kind of the magic about it. It's it's kind of magical. There's certain things that um, I really feel like when I explain it, it sounds way <laughs> too boring. So I kind of joke that it's magic. <laughs> like for example, anybody that's done any kind of textile crafts from sewing, knitting, crochet, whatever, um, and they come to this, they're like, where do the knots go? Like, where do you tie the knot so it doesn't kind of unravel on you? And there are absolutely no knots. Really? In, um, okay. Yeah. No knots, no sewing in your ends because people also, okay, I have to put in my end or hide it somehow. And there's none of that. Part of the magic again is it just holds together with the number of fibers that are there. Um, so, yeah, it, it's oh, very magical. Oh, I love magical. that. So, <laughs> so how did you get started rug cooking? Um, well, like I said, I did do latch hook in the 80s, probably. Um, I'm a very ugly frog, I remember. Um, but I, I hung proudly in my room. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I did not get back to it until about only about four years ago. Um, and I have always been sort of crafty or creative. I've done every, pretty much I've tried every craft. I, I joked the other day with a group of friends, I, we counted how many different crafts we've tried and I lost count. And I think I was at 15. And um, so everything from jewelry making to pottery to sewing, um, you know, yeah. I've tried it. Um, not very good <laughs> at all of them, but <laughs> I tried. Um, and about eight years ago, uh, I was off work and uh, for health reasons, and I had signed up for a few painting classes because that was something that has always interested me as well. And I really got into it. I loved painting. Um, but then I saw it, and it was literally on Instagram scrolling through, and this uh, piece of art, I'll call it, um, I was like, what is that? And it was what I thought at first was a painting was a rug hooked piece. And, um, so I started following this woman and I really had no yeah. idea how she was doing it. And I found out she actually oh, lives nice. 10 minutes away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. So she ended up teaching a class in her home, uh, about four years ago. And that was the first class and literally and pun intended, <laughs> but I was hooked. Um, it is very much like painting with yarn. Yeah. So I feel like it's combined everything I've loved my whole life about being creative. I have a huge stash of yarn and fabric from all my other crafts um, and rug hooking. You can use anything and everything. If you can pull it through the backing fabric, you yeah. can use it. Um, so yeah, I pretty much stopped everything else. Well, and it's just rug it's hook. funny that you brought up the painting because as I was looking through your website and Instagram, that was the thing that kept coming to mind is I wonder if Robin's a painter. <laughs> because <laughs> because I did get the sense that well, I, there were a few other crafts you yeah. had tried or been involved in <laughs> yes 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 I have tried many many um but it's funny because I never felt like I was a very good painter um other than my mom wanting to put up my paintings in her house nobody else ever really volunteered to <laughs> buy my paintings um whereas <laughs> I feel like I, I do yeah. much better with yarn. Um, 
and I've had a really positive response with yarn. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'll be sticking to yeah. yarn for well, quite some time. Well, and it's so <laughs> unique. You know, I think I, I, I feel like so many people have either prints or um, reproduced canvases or, or whatever of, of, paintings in their homes but to have something that's actually three-dimensional that depth that it adds is is more interesting and and also it's just a good conversation piece um you know you have friends over and they're they're admiring your decor and they notice it and oh cool because a lot of these fiber arts are are not as commonly done as they were when, you know, our mothers were, were younger. And, and so it's kind of, it's nice to see this resurgence of them coming out in the, in the uh, crafting community. Um, So talk about, uh, talk a little bit about um, how you um get your ideas for pieces? Uh, do you do commissions? Do you just come up with ideas and then sell your original work? What's, uh, what's that process like? <laughs> um, well, it's almost an overwhelming process. And I think most creative people and most rug hookers, certainly when I talk to them, um, we have way more ideas than we do hours in a day to produce them. <laughs> um, so uh, ideas can come from anywhere. For me, a lot of my pick or my pieces right now mm. um, start as photographs. So I'm always taking pictures um, of things that I just find interesting, either the colors interesting or the textures interesting. So I am like really getting close up on things um, to get some weird detail in a you know log or you know in the grass or something, um, and that might start a piece. Um, I have done some commissions of um, homes, for example. I love doing architecture. Um, and so that is kind of a fun way to commemorate, uh, you know, a special, you know, childhood home or that kind of thing. Um, I love doing that as well. Um, but I always tell people too, especially if they look at my, um, some of my more detailed or intricate pieces first, and then they think, oh, well, I'm not going to sign up for an introduction class because I can't, you know, envision that. Um, I started doing stripes and circles, like going really back to the basics. Rug hooking lends itself beautifully yeah. to abstract, um, to simple motifs, to repetitive patterns. Um, you know, a whole series of different colored circles is gorgeous. I've seen, um, so many different varieties of, of that. Um, and one of my favorite pieces that I did was one of my first ones with literally circles and stripes. Um, so you don't have to do detailed designs. Um, and a lot of people start out in this form, um, and especially the lot of rug hookers that come to me that have been hooking for years, uh, but see that I'm doing something a little bit differently is that um, many people have, bought pattern so like a cross stitch or needlepoint you know you see in the the craft stores um, and they come with very detailed instructions of you put this color here and you put that color there um and that's fine like I went through a period as well in the 90s of doing cross stitch and I enjoyed oh yeah totally (laughs) and and I knew how it would look like that was part of the satisfaction was like okay I'm buying this kit because I know at the end if I follow the instructions it's going to look just like the picture. Um, 
but after a while, uh, many of us, I think even the, the rug hookers have been hooking for many years, started that way are now having that itch of like, okay, I can't find the kits that inspire me or that excite me in the same way. So um, I help people either take kits that they have. So they might have designs already. And many people do, you know, we end up buying more than we can uh, <laughs> yes. hook um, and make it their own. You know, so some people will be like, oh, I have this kid and it has, you know, a white house and a, you know, I don't know, a lake out front, but I want to add my dogs. I'm like, okay, so let's add your dogs. Like, it sounds very simple, but a lot of people are afraid to make changes to a pattern. Um, And so I help people with that kind of name, hooking outside the lines. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, when I sell my kits, because I do have a few that I've sold, I always tell people, do not feel that you have to use all the colors that I've included. Do not feel you have to, you know, follow my lines exactly. Like um, rug hooking is so freeing that, um, yeah, I really encourage people to play with it, have fun with yeah. it, and to make it their well, own. Well, I mean, um, those... It- you know, in school, you get rewarded for coloring a picture and not going outside the lines. But there is something so nice about the the, the pictures that the kids come and, you know, they, they bring home and, and there's things that are purple that never show up in nature as purple. And, you know, it's like that exploration of where your mind can go and what you can create that isn't, it isn't, it's the unexpected. And, and that can make a piece more interesting and original. And, and if you're putting a little piece of yourself into it, it, it's, you know, whether even if you've used a pattern for everything, but adding your dogs in, it's, it adds that element of personal touch to it, which is, is quite lovely. Absolutely. And that's one of the exciting things. I think um, some, like I had a student recently in one of my classes, which is specifically about learning to design. And so even though people had very similar photographs to start with, some of them chose my flowers and it was so my picture, the same picture, but all of their designs were different. Um, and that there's a certain level of satisfaction that I don't think people realize until they've done it. So if you've done it one way with kits and now all of a sudden you do it and it's like, that is really your own. There is no other yeah. flower that is going to look like that. Um, it is really satisfying and kind of exciting. And then when you add your hooks, yeah, your loops to it and your own color choices, um, it is really, really exciting. Um, one of the sort of caveats to that, and I always <laughs> let people know when they're in my class, is sometimes yeah. they're not going to work. <laughs> so you have to be prepared because when you're buying a kit, you know, if you follow the instructions, it's going to look like that. When you're doing your own, some of them are going to be amazing and some of them aren't. Um, And I have those that I produce that I end up pulling out, um, which, again, is one of the magical things about rug cooking is nothing. is. I know. I was just thinking that that's so that's really appealing. It is. It is so appealing and so um, comforting for me, especially, you know, when I was starting out. But even now. Other than the time that you put into it, obviously you can't get that back. But I reuse every piece of yarn or wool or fabric, my background fabric. If I've, you know, designed all over it and, you know, colored, I turn it over and I color on the other side until I'm happy with the new design. Like it never 
is wasted. Um, if I pull, if I've done a whole piece of pink and I'm like, oh gosh, I hate that pink. I pull it out and I save that for another project and I put in a new color and keep going. Um, you're not wasting anything. Um, and it's a great opportunity to reuse. I cut up t-shirts. I cut up old scarves, anything literally that can be cut up and pulled through the loop you can use for rug hooking. Interesting. Um, so sheets, bed sheets, um, yeah, like you can buy beautiful new wools and yarns for this, but you can equally use all repurposed uh, fabrics. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it is endless so possibilities. Time, how long does it, and I know this, it probably varies depending on the size and the detail that goes into a piece, but like roughly how long does it take to do a rug hooking project? I really need to sit down and count, um, to be honest, because I don't, um, I don't have a good grasp of time when I'm hooking. <laughs> um, time can really fly by and I don't notice. Um, and it really depends on the piece. Like you said, if I'm doing a circles and stripes and I'm just kind of like giving my, give myself permission to be like, I'm going to see what happens. I'm just going to pick up the next color and start, you know, keep hooking. Um, I can hook pretty quickly. So, you know, if I have, a couple of hours every day, probably two weeks, and I could have a you know a good size rug. Um, I call them rugs; they don't <laughs> mine don't go on the floor. Um, but <laughs> um, but I've done others where I recently finished a piece, and it was uh, it's about twelve by thirty six uh, inches, and it's a sunset mm. scene at Sandbanks, which is um, a local or relatively local beach, and. Um, that took me about six months of off and on because I was figuring things out. How do I make this look the way I want? And I put something in and then it was during COVID of course. So my uh, shopping ability was limited. So I, you know, missing colors and, um, and I did other pieces in between that, but it took a good six months of off and on work. Oh, um, wow. To complete wow. it. Wow. That's, that's, mm -hmm. That's a that's a big effort. So there's a there's a lot of um, I can imagine that it would be extremely satisfying to finish a project that that takes that long, and 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 also just so interesting to watch as it shapes. <laughs> yes, yes. I often take pictures of it throughout the journey because yeah. it changes a lot. Um, I'm not the type that plans ahead very well. So a lot of my designing is actually while I'm hooking, like I have the basic idea of it, but then the design actually comes when I'm hooking. Uh, whereas some people really spend a lot of time sketching it out and working out all those details before they even start hooking. Um, and so once they're, you know, hook in hand, they just can go to town and be done in a few weeks. But for me, it's, I enjoy to do it as I go. Um, but I have other like smaller pieces, six by six or eight by eight, I can do in a couple of evenings. Um, and a lot of my students in my class that if they're doing a 10 by 10, which is sort of a standard size for one of my classes, um, you know, in a, three or four weeks, they can easily have it done. And that's just hooking occasionally, you nice. know, like in their free time. Um, others, yeah, others in a couple of days, they're very quick hookers and they will sit for five hours and just yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> so what are some of the ways that you're you're teaching people you've got workshops and, and what are some of the other things that you do 
Yeah, so everything's online right now, of course. Um, and so I have a couple of different, I start with my intro workshop, which is just a two hour and um, you have everything you need to know about rug cooking that two hours. Like it's, that's how simple a craft it is to learn the basics. Um, and then I have different design classes um, to help people sort of get comfortable in that um, area of the art form. Because again, a lot of people are experienced hookers, mm-hmm. but not with the design process. Um, and then I have what I call, or what's called the rug hooking creativity club. Um, and that's because so many of us are really passionate about rug hooking <laughs> and it sounds crazy. Um, but we just want to talk about rug hooking and all the elements related to it on a regular basis with other people who are equally passionate. So in the club, we meet, uh, once a week and an hour and a half, and it is dedicated time for rug hooking, um, it is so much fun. I thought at first, I'm like, okay, there's only going to be me and like three other people that are going to want to do this. Um, but we've had quite a few people join the club. And on any given Monday during our sessions, there's about 15 people that That's come. That's so fun. Um, and some don't even get to come to that meeting because they work full time and hours don't work. But I record everything. So they are happy just to be a part of the community by listening. And then we have a private Facebook group. Um, where we connect and share our work in progress and ask for help from each other Um, because there's a lot of different styles like it does I say it's a really simple thing but because there's so many different styles of rug cooking um, that somebody who has 20 years experience doing it one way might be a complete beginner in doing another you know style of it Um, so just those little things have been um really exciting to explore in a community of, um, you know, passionate. That's so interesting. <laughs> and so that's so, my creativity club. Yeah. And I've you've been, been writing, writing as, as well. well. Sorry. I've been writing a little bit because, um, well, my approach is kind of different. I think to a lot of people that when I initially learned as well, uh, my teacher, lucky enough for me that lived nearby, um, she was very open to all different materials. Uh, but there are definitely traditionalists um, who see what I do and what a few other people do as not true rug hooking because we're not using wool um, or we're not putting it on the floor um, and that kind of thing. And so um, I've been writing a few articles. I have another one coming out this summer in Rug Hooking Magazine, which is one of the only um, magazines in North America dedicated to rug hooking. Um and so that has been a lot of fun, too, to do things a little bit differently. So I did an article last year on my feather pattern, which I include all kinds of different weird fabrics and oh, yarns. Interesting. In it. Um, interesting. So, we'll have to include a picture yeah. in the in the podcast. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned different styles in that uh, people might be new to a certain style. What are some of the different styles and what are, are there advantages to, to going certain ways for different things you're trying to do? How does that work? Um, well, I think it's a bit of, um, you know how things are passed down in either families or whatever. So I often give the example to people that it's kind of like, you know, if you're an Italian family and you have a well-known family recipe for spaghetti sauce, um, you know, that is the way to make it in your family and it is the best way and anything else is a bit less than that. (laughs) Um, 
And so there, in rug cooking, there's kind of that tradition in different communities where that their way of doing it. So traditionally, it would be using a certain type okay. of wool fabric, for example, um, that has developed sort of over the last about 50 years. Um, that wool fabric was the only material that should be used. And it was a certain thickness of fabric. Um, it should be cut in strips a certain way. Um, the loops when you're making them should be perfectly even um, as much as possible um, and finished in very specific um, in specific ways without getting into detail of how to do all that. Um, and so when people came in and started introducing other materials, it was a bit like, whoa, like you don't put that in the spaghetti <laughs> sauce. Like, <laughs> so my viewpoint is like I'm not trying to ruin anybody's recipe like if that's how they love it and want to continue that's fine Um, I just really like the idea of encouraging people to do what is fun for them what's accessible because wool right now is not um, accessible financially to everybody it is very expensive Um, the background fabric again um originally and going back you know hundreds of years when people were making these rugs um they were using feed sacks and right. um like any kind of fabric that had a loose enough weave that they could pull things through it it was a very functional right. utilitarian craft um and it was scraps of fabric that they had from leftover projects they were not buying anything new even the hooks they used um originally would have been bent nails um that they would make their own hook from a bent nail. Um, so I kind of appreciate that kind of style in it, in the sense that use what you have. Um, you know, linen right now is sort of the gold standard for back, mm. um, backing fabric. Um, but linen is, you know, $40, $50 Canadian a meter. Um, and that's not yeah. accessible to everybody. And um, there are reasons for that. Like it does feel quite lovely compared to burlap. Um, people with allergies, for example, might be bothered by the the sort of the stuff right. that comes off of a burlap uh, bag. Um, but you can buy burlap at a hardware store um, that you could use and make it work yeah. uh, for a couple of dollars. So, again, I'm kind of on the on the side of use what you have and affordable and what feels good to you. Um, and it feels really good when I'm not buying new things when I'm oh, repurposing absolutely. things. So do you have a, do you have favorite materials, whether it's yarns or backing fabrics that you like to use? Yeah, my favorite backing fabric is actually a cotton. Um, I mean, linen is beautiful, but um, unless you get a bleached linen, linen has a natural color of quite sort of medium brown, medium to dark brown. Um, and I like to be able to see my drawing that I'm doing on my background fabric. Um, and so I use a cotton, it's called a rug warp. I don't know where that name comes from, but anyway, and it's very similar make, like the weave is very similar to a linen or burlap, uh, but it's just made out of cotton. So it is very soft, um, to the hands and it is just an off white color. So it doesn't affect my design, um, but even that's not uh, inexpensive for people starting out. So when I'm teaching a beginner class, I often use, if if um, finances is important, I will use burlap because it's great to learn on. And it's what they would have used originally. It's as closest to the original type of material. Um, so, yeah, I, I offer that. So in terms of fabric, though, for the actual loops, I couldn't pick one. I love 
all kinds of like literally I've been trying to clean up my um, studio space and every time I you know pull out stuff from my little cubby because I have lots of shelving I'm like oh I missed this I haven't used this my new favorite <laughs> or my old favorite so I use everything from silk to stretchy velvet to wool cotton um, anything literally um, anything I, I have and I also use like bathing suit oh. fabric like slinky stuff that I get at remnants you know, it's um, yeah. end of bolts and stuff like that, that they're, people don't know what I do with it. I'm <laughs> like, I'll take that. <laughs> so yeah, nice. I will use it all. So I've, I've asked you a ton about the, the craft because I, I've never done rock cooking other than my latch hooking. Um, and, and so how did you get started with your business? Because you haven't been, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you haven't been rug hooking for all that long compared to some of the other things you've done. Yeah, so about, oh, I lose track of the years, but um, I used to have a small business, not that many years ago, um, machine embroidery. So it was similar in that it was a craft-oriented business, but I, it was machine um, embroidery and I sold it um, mainly because I it did get quite um, I was quite busy which is a wonderful thing um, but I had limited space I was working in my dining room which is still my <laughs> studio space um, I had a, a not a sort of a semi-industrial machine and it was very noisy and so it was a problem for my family because I would, I needed to have that machine running yeah. almost every day, um, you know, a good part of the day. So that became a problem. And the fact that I was busy and it was becoming stressful. Um, so I was very lucky. I found somebody who um, wanted to continue it and has, and she's done a wonderful job. Um, but I discovered that I had a thing for small business that I kind of liked uh, being my own boss. I had worked for government before that and, uh, knew that that's not something right. I wanted to go back into. Um, yeah. So when I was starting to doing the rug hooking, um, I'm very much an introvert anyway. And I've always been into, you know, self-help kind of thing. And my previous career university okay. was in counseling. And that's what I did even for government. I worked for military family services. And um, so I've always been aware of people's sort of thought processes and always trying to help people to feel better about their circumstances or, you know, make better decisions um, that supported their well-being. And I really found that rug hooking offered an opportunity to think about a lot of things um, differently. So I often have trouble explaining it. Um, I, I feel like I'm having trouble, but the idea of when you're rug hooking, you're making a lot of decisions. So it's like either this color or that color. Um, and it's trusting your gut. And to me in life, a lot of us don't do that anymore. Or when we get away from that, we end up in situations where we're not happy anymore. And it certainly happened to me in my work. I've made, you know, oh, well, this is a good job according to, you know, some standard out there that, um, you know, was imposed on me and I believed it and accepted it. And mm -hmm. so I took that job and then I got a promotion and then I ended up somehow in this position yeah, that was not yeah. making me happy. Um, so through rug cooking, I find it's, you can think about things in a different way and practice those sort of mini life skills of like, I'm going to trust myself. Uh, I'm going to give myself permission to make mistakes. Like it's okay if this piece is ugly, like we're not doing brain surgery. So 
I'm going to try it because that's and, another inhibitor for many people. And is you can just take it out and start try. over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so a lot of those little things came to me as I was, after I'd sold uh, my embroidery business, um, feeling like maybe I could incorporate what I used to do a little bit um, into my new passion, which is all about rug hooking. Um, and so although we don't sort of focus on the um, self-help part of it, if you will, because I feel like that's yeah. innate in it, um, providing that atmosphere of safety, of trusting yourself, of like we all have an inner artist, we all um, have ability to tap uh-huh. into it if we want to, um, in a safe place, it is so rewarding. So I started just teaching intro classes at a local yarn shop um, and was getting that kind of feedback after a three hour oh. class. Like people were like, wow, this is amazing. And just, so I thought, okay, That's it's not just so me. Great. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of people feel, and again, this is true of other crafts. I won't say rug cooking oh, has a, sure. a lead on for this. Sure. Um, knitting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's something extra special, I think, about rug hooking because there aren't a myriad of things you need to learn or a myriad of patterns or stitches or counting involved. Like it is really freeing um, if you want it to be. Um, so that's how I started kind of was just teaching. And then when COVID started, I was like, I could do this online. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I've been pretty busy. Um, and because rug hooking is still relatively unknown to the general public, um, there's not a lot of opportunities to go and buy sort of supplies. So I do sell things just as a way to um, help my customers have easy access oh, to the fantastic. materials that I use. Yeah, um, I well, you know, as you were talking about sort of those byproducts of having a hobby like this, um, I I was thinking about the all these studies about kids and extracurricular activities in school and and how being involved means they usually usually is a correlated with uh better grades and you know i i'm not a big believer in grades and tests and things like that but but the um but that full life is something I think is super important, whether you are 10 or 40 and or 60, you, you need things that you have an interest in and you want to pursue and, 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 and something that you feel like you can be successful at. And, and of course, that confidence building that you get from it would be beneficial. And, and hopefully also passes on into other areas. Absolutely. And yes, rug hooking is something that um, I had student with like her granddaughter and the grandmother could take the class together because, um, you know, there's no reason why young people can't learn it. It's very, like I said, it's so simple. Um, Before COVID, I did demos and, you know, like the five-year-old, you would usually pick it up very easily because they're so in the moment, they're not worried about all kinds of other things. So um yeah, I think it's a really good hobby um, for anybody that's curious to do something different. That's so interesting. Um, and I, I do believe that those skills translate 
innately to other areas yeah. of our life. Yeah. For sure. Well, for and sure. the, the artistic people that I know tend to love to explore other mediums for that creativity. I mean, it's, it's, I am myself not super into crafts. <laughs> I wish I was. My mother really wanted me to be. <laughs> She tried, but it just didn't take. And, uh, and, but I, I, I admire people who are so talented at it, you know, and it sounds like rug hooking too, is you don't have to necessarily be an artist to, uh, or, or have an artistic inclination to do something that can be really aesthetically pleasing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have to have a desire to want to do it. I think, um, and talking about kids, like I, I of course want <laughs> the best for my kid and neither one of them would be considered crafty whatsoever. Uh, my son, actually, I remember in elementary school when they made him like color something came home and he's like, if they make me color <laughs> one more thing, <laughs> it's really insulted. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, neither one of them are the least bit interested in rug cooking right now. Um, but I think it's great that they yeah. are aware of it and they know and they have that option. And I think that's the um, important, you know, if we can pass anything on, it's just that um, if they ever chose to pick something like this or something else, that they have the confidence that they would be able to do it. Um, and the artistic part of it, I really think right, when we people talk about talent or natural talent, um, I mean, yes, absolutely. You know, some people are born with a beautiful voice and yeah. they don't ever seem to practice. Um, but for me, I think I needed to practice rug hooking. I needed to practice painting. I needed to practice knitting, like all of those things that I um, became, you know, I won't say good at all of them, but I became um, uh, efficient and, and able in all those areas. Um, took me hours and hours and hours yeah. of practice. Um, so even people that are in my design class, I always remind them, like, it's not an overnight thing. It's not like you're going to learn this technique and it's going to be like, you'll do it the way I do it, you know, tomorrow. Like, it's just not the way it is. But that doesn't mean it yeah. won't be absolutely gorgeous. Um, it'll just be different. And in 10 years time, if you continue, you're going to look back and go, oh, my gosh, like I did that. Um, and be impressed with yourself how yeah. much you've learned in 10 years. Um, so it's it's constant learning. And um, but yeah, the simple designs in rug hooking can be absolutely gorgeous and just as meaningful and um, will be kept as keepsakes for generations yeah. if you want them to be. Uh, and they could be circles <laughs> and stripes. Like they don't have to be fancy yeah. patterns. Well, I mean, you know, when you look at, um, is it Jackson Pollock that does the splatter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's some things that yeah. are considered fine art. It's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. all subjective. <laughs> well, um, so as you as you move forward with your business, are you looking forward to getting back to uh, to in person workshops where you can actually be in the same room with people? <laughs> I am so looking forward to, uh, well, my first thing I want to do is our creativity club. Uh, many of us have never met one another because like I have members all over the States and different parts of Canada. So 
Um, we are planning. <laughs> we, I say we. I, I, I told them I'm planning, and I hope they come a retreat of sorts um, when oh, it's safe exciting. to do so again. Um, because I feel like we've built, you know, we've really connected as people and friendships have been, you know, born. So I want to meet these people in person. Um, I definitely want to go to um, uh, conferences, rug hookers, especially in the States, they are great at getting together and having like week long schools where they, they call it a rug hooking school and they take over either a conference center or like a part of a hotel and yeah, set up classrooms and just immerse themselves in rug hooking. And that I did it once before um, uh, COVID hit and it was just like so yeah. exciting. Um, so I hope to be able to teach it some of yeah. these. <laughs> um, that would be the goal, but I'm also happy to go as a student because again, there's so much to learn and play with and try. So um, I will continue online because there's so many benefits to that as well. Like our creativity club, I hope will continue for a long time. Um, but there obviously meeting in person is, um, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, I, one of the things that I encourage people when they are, cause I, as a content marketer, I'm telling people, Hey, write," <laughs> And often that's not easy for people who are not, don't feel like they're writers. It's all the same objections that I'm sure you hear about red, red cooking yep. things that I've said today. <laughs> and, um, and, and so what I'll say is go be creative in another medium if you're, if you're experiencing writer's block, because sometimes just the act of letting your brain do something else will open up the floodgates of what, whatever you need. Maybe it's creativity. Maybe it's just finding the words, whatever. It, it just helps to, to get things flowing again. And, and I think that that is part of why having hobbies like this can be so beneficial because if you have something to escape into, that's also a productive in a way, um, uh, uh-huh. I shouldn't say in a way. It's definitely productive. You're producing something. <laughs> um, but it's also productive and it, it, it just gives you that sense of accomplishment. And, 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 you know, you hear all the stories of people in, in workplaces who are, who are struggling and, and to, to have that in their off time would be so valuable. Absolutely. It's a great therapeutic um, Mm. pastime. Um, And whether they produce or not, because some people, you know, like I said, my piece could take me six months. Um, And if you're, you know, somebody who's really uh, perfectionist, you might be pulling out more than you're keeping in. And so you're not actually producing a lot of the time spent doing it is so rewarding and calming to our nervous system um, it is really, it's kind of like yoga to me. Um, it has the same kind of benefits. I feel like on my breathing, it slows me down. It slows yeah. down my anxious thoughts. It slows down um, all of that kind of, um, our, our well, basically our nervous system. Um, so we can think clearer and go back to that, you know, market racket writing yeah. or whatever we need to do um, with a clear yeah. head for sure. Yeah, it's... Um, um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, pause a second. So one of the things that occurs to me is that as a creative, you've you've worked in government. Government is not known for being a a welcoming place for people who are creative and like to break the rules. <laughs> and obviously, you have um, some rule breaking in you with the with the techniques that you use for rug hooking. So how how do you kind of uh, encourage people to get out of their comfort zone? You know, because you mentioned earlier, you had, uh, you've had people who've who buy the uh, patterns and then they want to incorporate some, you know, maybe their dogs or some other personal aspect to it. How do you, how do you get people to let go of the pattern and, and be okay with breaking those rules? Cause, cause it's hard. I, as someone who struggles with that, it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a, I kind of say it's kind of a slow process for some of them. And I feel like it's kind of exposure therapy. (laughs) So for example, one of my members in my creativity club, who's been a member for several months, um, was only about a month ago, she was like, I have to share with you guys, like, I used acrylic yarn in my rug cooking. And she was one that only used wool strips, like, traditional you know beautiful wool um and she had never considered using yarn for one thing but never never mind sort of acrylic yarn um which again kind of gets a bad rap I think it doesn't deserve for the most part but um but for her that was like a big deal and she said she did it because she realized after seeing all of uh, the other members and myself use different materials that she was missing out on possibilities, sort of creative possibilities, because she refused initially to try these things. So I don't, first of all, force anybody. And I always remind people like, it's okay, if you if you feel more comfortable, and you enjoy doing the kits that are kind of what I call the paint by number. um, If that's enjoyable for you, then by all means, you know, continue. For me, it's those people that say, well, I enjoy this, but I'm really curious to know about that. Like, I want to see like what you guys are doing over there looks kind of neat. So I invite people over kind of like to show them what we're doing. (laughs) And I do that by I do a lot of Facebook lives so that I'm literally showing people what I'm doing. And I think at first people expect it to be like totally different or like, you know, because I am potentially breaking rules or what they were taught as rules. Um, I, I don't tend to see them as rules so much, but I, I can yeah. appreciate where they're coming from and know that, you know, if you've been taught to do something a certain way and you're the type of person, which I was very much, um, if I'm taught to do something, I don't question it. I, there's reasons for it. They must be good reasons. I'll just follow what everybody else is doing. Um, but with rug cooking, I kind of look at them more like, okay, those are suggestions, <laughs> And if the suggestions work, and some of them, you know, there's a reason why you wouldn't want to use burlap for some things, and you'd want to use linen, or you'd want to use something else. So um, I am all about sharing those reasons for making decisions. Um, So yeah, I kind of expose people to these are possibilities, this is what I use. And then with the idea of play with it, see if you like it. Um, 
and some things some people are not going to like, you know, like I had a friend who I gave her a variety of things. And one of them was uh, silk. And it was recycled Mm. sari silk. So it's not inexpensive, like it's a quality product. Um, And she was kind of like, what the heck is this? I hate it. (laughs) And I was kind of like, what? How could you hate that? Like that's silk, but she really didn't enjoy hooking with it. And that's fine. Like it was, but it took that process of playing with it, realizing, yeah. okay, that's not for me. Um, and that to me is much more interesting than just doing what everybody else is doing or doing what you were told, you know, 20 years ago um, to experiment mm-hmm. like that process is much more satisfying to me. And I think to the people that I've spoken to that have sort of taken that journey, some may end up going back to their very traditional cooking style and that's fine um but most of them I think are the ones I've talked to anyway or the ones that keep coming back to watch my my uh, lives or to take my classes are more of the type that yes they love Mm. the traditional cooking but they also love the idea of trying different materials and different potentials um or have different uh, possibilities for their art form um and so, yeah, I introduce it very gently. And I do joke that, you know, we're not doing brain surgery. So if, again, you hate it and it doesn't work out, then you never have to use that again. Like, don't don't sweat it. Give it to your friend. Somebody else will use it. Um, nothing lost. And maybe it was a fun yeah. afternoon of playing yeah. with materials. <laughs> so um, you were describing earlier, too, that um, the 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 loops have to be the for some of the more traditional rug hookers they they like the loops to all be yes. even but I don't see that in the work that you yeah. do and 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 no. it adds <laughs> I don't think that it would be quite the same if it you know it would it would not have the same depth because it adds interest to have those different sort of a almost a topographical um uh, topography of your of your work which I think is actually really lovely so it's almost like they try they were applying manufacturing rules to it yes yes and that is absolutely one way to look at it I feel like um, they wanted it to not look homemade and I mean even as a kid myself my mom would sew my clothes and I'd be like mom just make it so it doesn't look like you made it you know, like I wanted it to look store-bought um, as a little kid. <laughs> um, and But there is also a reason. So when they were making these rugs for the floor and they wanted them to last for 20 years uh, or more, but, you know, to actually provide warmth and comfort for their feet in cold winter months of, um, you know, that we have here and certainly in the Maritimes where it was very, very popular. Um, the reason for even loops was very practical because then your carpet wore out evenly. If you had high loops, they would get worn off and sort of had uh, ragged edges, or if they were really low in certain spots, they would form a hole much more quickly. So again, very practical. Um, Exactly. Um, And if I were making a rug for the floor, which I've done one, um, but it hasn't (laughs) made its way to the floor yet, (laughs) um, I would probably work harder to make my loops even uh, for that reason. Um, but because mine are much more artwork um, for the wall, decorative purposes, I absolutely love the texture of different layers and different heights of loops. Um, so yeah, I, I'm all about playing with them. <laughs> but again, it comes from a place of practicality. Um, 
originally, and I think that's where we get stuck is sometimes there was an original goal or reason for this um, that we don't need to hang on to anymore. You know, some of those habits we can let go of because they don't serve us anymore um, or serve the same purpose. And they just add stress. Like I've seen people pull out loops because they're not even. I'll be like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like It's okay. Yeah, it'll all blend in and, yeah. and create its own artistic element. Um, Absolutely. So you've done commissions for people. What are some of your favorite things people have asked you to do? Um, well, I think my two favorite things, and I mean, right now it's my two most popular classes. So I guess there's, um, they're uh, popular to other people too, or people's favorites, but it's doing flowers. So I've had, you know, custom order of uh, poppies as a favorite. Um, and yeah, and another one of houses. So I've done a few houses that are, um, sort of family homes and usually uh, people either leaving them or have left them a long time ago. Um. And so I've commemorated them in that way. Um, and I like, those are two of my favorite things to do. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. What kind of, are, are the flowers, I mean, you mentioned poppies, which of course have deep meaning in Canada. Um, what are, what are some of the other reasons people choose particular flowers? Is it a favorite? Is it a birth month? Um, well, I've only done a couple for order, but they also the ones that when I hook them, even if I just start hooking it for myself and I share the work in progress, those are the ones that sell oh, because yeah. people have a personal affinity to a certain flower. Like I did purple coneflowers or echinacea flower yeah, um, because I love them. Um, I'm quite a terrible <laughs> gardener. So I often joke to people that <laughs> all my pictures are my pictures, but they're not my garden. <laughs> So I'm much better at making pretty flowers in wool than I am like having them oh, grow yeah. outside. I can really, um, I can relate to that. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> yeah, especially this time of year, I get very ambitious and start thinking, oh yes, this year is going to be the year. And then by, you know, end of July when it's really hot and the weeds are growing and I've given up yep. watering and weeding. Yep. And yeah. I, I told my husband <laughs> when we got married, I'm like, the outdoors is your domain. <laughs> I'm not interested. <laughs> and he was fine with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a brown thumb. So, um, so Robin, how can everyone find you um, online and uh, connect with you? So my business is called Hooking Outside the Lines. Um, which when I was looking for a name, it was so obvious to me that I couldn't have, well, I couldn't just have any name no. like Robin's no. Rug Hooking or something. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, and I literally never follow lines. Even when I make my own designs, I'm still not following the pattern when I'm actually <laughs> That's hooking. So great. Um, so it really, yeah, it, it is perfect for my style, my approach. Uh, so my Facebook, my Instagram, um, are both hooking outside the lines and my website is hooking outside the lines.com. Um, and yeah, and feel free to reach out. Like if people have questions or stuff like that, I'm happy to answer them. Um, 
Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> so well, uh, everyone can go onto your website. You you always have workshops coming up. Um, they can read about the Creativity Club and check out the supplies you have available. Um, and I'll make sure links to everything get into the show notes so everyone can find you easily. Um, thank you so, so much for coming on and, and joining me to talk about your business and how you got started. Thank you, Karen. It's been so much fun. I'm always happy to talk about rug cooking. Oh, this is a lot of fun. <laughs>